So uh, this mindset is so prevalent in our culture. And, and this is why one of the reasons that I feel so passionate and convicted to teach on marriage every year, because I want our church to have healthy marriages. I want you to have a healthy marriage. Uh, I want you to have the kind of marriage that you always dreamt of having. If you're a young person, I want you to experience a great relationship and not have to go through heartbreak. Because if you get this relationship wrong, nothing will cause you more pain. And some of you know that because you've been through that before, right? In fact, I was thinking about it this way. Like, what if our marriage culture was so strong at Mountaintop? that it was so strong that no one from Mountaintop ever got divorced again. Wouldn't that be incredible? That if it was so strong and we taught about it and preached about it and prayed about it and encouraged one another and kept one another so accountable that we'd go decades without people splitting and experiencing the pain of divorce. So if we're going to have that kind of healthy culture, one of the things that we have to debunk is to kind of work through this mindset that says you complete me. And so here's what that mindset says, does. Okay. Here's what, here's what it's really saying in that. What you complete me is doing is saying, I am not quite complete. And what I'm looking for is somewhere out there, that perfect one, right? We call this the one. Right? You see a guy in class, you meet somebody, and your whole thing, your whole, your whole process and quest to find somebody is all about finding the one. And you go to the club looking for the one, and you figure, like, that's probably not the best place to meet, right? And you go, you know, you're like, oh, am I going to meet him in biology class? Am I going to meet him at the gym? And I'm just looking for the one. And sometimes you meet somebody and you call and you're like, Mom, I think I met... The one, right? The one. And, but the truth is, it's very difficult to find the one, right? You find, they like almost fit. There's a few gaps because there's a few things that don't quite make it in there. And so you just, but that's okay. You pretend. Like it's not quite perfect. He likes sports and you don't care about sports. He likes Chinese food and you hate Chinese food, but you pretend to like sports and Chinese food. Because you want him to, because everything else is close. Or you pretend because, you know, she likes old movies and she likes Mexican food. And you hate old movies and you don't like Mexican food, but you pretend. Right? Because it's so, it's so close. Now, that, I mean, that's pretty innocent. But the truth is, when we are so desperate to fill this, this gap and to fill this void, the truth is we will almost sometimes do anything We'll even date somebody who's a completely different shape. And they have a completely different set of values and a completely different mindset, but they fill the void. And here's what this looks like. It's a little more dangerous because in this situation, what happens is they push you into a shape that you didn't want to be. And you say things like, well, he wants to go farther physically and sexually, and I don't really want to go there, but I have to have him in my life because he's filling this void, and I need him. Or she doesn't really go to church, and she's not really a Christian, but so I'll just kind of like hide that, and I won't, we don't go to church because I have to have her in my life. I need her in my life. 
Now, there's some, big, there's some really big problems with this that I'm going to come to later that I want to address. But can I just talk about like just one important thing that, that you need to know about this? Like who needs the pressure to be the one for you? Who needs the pressure to have to complete you? In fact, I thought about it this way. That if you need a marriage to complete you, it might be a complete failure. Right? If you need a marriage to complete you, if this is what's going to make you whole, then I just want to warn you, it might be true that that marriage is a complete failure. You can't find someone to finish you, to complete you, to make you whole. I love what Matt said. Matt's right down here today, Matt and Savannah. I love what Matt said in the video because it was some of the lyrics actually from the song we opened with, that I'm not superhuman, some superhero. Who can completely... Often, listen, you've got a story like this, right? You've got a story where you pretended and you've probably got a story where you dated someone who was a completely different shape and you knew that it didn't work out. So at some point you realize this just does not work. I'm not, I can't do this. So here's the other thing that we try. What we say is, you know, mama was right. I shouldn't have gone to the club looking for somebody. I, 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 I'm gonna, I need to get connected to God. I need to get connected to God. And that's where I need to put my roots because I've got some God values and I need to put my roots in God. And if I just meet somebody who shares some of those same values, then we're going to be okay because we've got this, we've got, see, that's problem was, is I was dating somebody that didn't have some of the same values for me. Now, this is great. I encourage you to, to date somebody if you're single, if you're a teenager that has the values. But here's, here's what the search for the one got right. You are incomplete. You are incomplete. And this is what happens when Christians get together and they think that just because they're Christians or just because they share some values about church that everything's going to be okay. But what they haven't addressed is inside, just like what Savannah was saying, that she had to work on her, that what they haven't addressed is what inside is incomplete in them. So this kind of happens subconsciously. They start trying to fill this gap, this void with something. And sometimes it's a hobby and they spend way too much time doing a hobby. Sometimes it's success, and they just say, if I climb the corporate ladder, if I make all the sales, this'll, that'll be what makes me happy, or if I just make more money, that'll make me happy. Or this is what happens with Christian couples, and they're like, they've been married a few years, but they're like, something's just not quite right. We just feel like there's something kind of missing in our life, in our relationship. I know what we should do. Let's have children. That'll fix it. Because children never bring any other problems. And you know what? Here's what happens. It fixes it for a minute. And then the children graduate and they leave home and they figure out that they've got this void that got filled for 18 or 20 years, depending on how many kids they have. And that's why you see couple after couple get divorced after their baby graduates from high school. Because their kids were the only thing holding them together. They were filling this void that they didn't address 20, 25, 30 years ago. And the dangerous thing about this is it can be things far worse than hobbies or success. It can be like, well, he doesn't get me and he doesn't bring me comfort. But that fifth glass of wine always brings me comfort. 
or she doesn't satisfy my needs. But when she goes to bed and I go to the basement and get on the computer, the girl on the screen, she always satisfies my needs. And the interesting thing about this is this can lead to a situation where you've tried to look for somebody else to fill a void that you thought just being married would be. And this is like a a vacuum. It's got a gravitational pull. And this is why addictions happen to things like hobbies or money or far worse things. And it feels like it's filling you, but it's not. So I want to talk today about a passage and a better way to understand relationships. It's a passage that uh, we really, that's so important to look at. But this is a passage written by James, the brother of Jesus. And it's not really about marriage, but it is 100% about about the concepts that are so critical to having a healthy marriage. What this is actually about is, the, is, is finding out the kind of person that God wants you to be and growing as the kind of person that God wants you to be. And that is so critical for marriage. Who you are, singles and teens, listen to me, who you are is the most important thing you can work on right now, not finding the one. In fact, this is a question I want you to be asking the lens through if you're single or teenager, all right? Are you the kind of person that the kind of person you want to marry wants to marry? Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you the kind of person that the kind of person you want to marry wants to marry? In other words, if like today at lunch at Chili's, you meet her or you meet him and you're like, oh my gosh, That's exactly the kind of person I want to marry. Are you the kind of person they want to marry? Teenagers, let me ask you this question, teens. Are you doing the kinds of things now that the kind of person you want to marry hopes you're doing? Man, at 14, 15, 16 years old, you have no idea how important this concept is. And this is what this passage is all about, is is what kind of person you are. So I believe it addresses some issues that we have. And if you're currently married, and if you're even if you're single and you have no desire to be married, this is really going to be about being the kind of person that God wants you to be uh, and created you to be. So but we're going to look at it through this, this lens because if you get this wrong, you're going to be set up wrong for marriage and I want you to be set up right. So I'm going to read James 1 verses 2 through 8 and I'm just going to read the whole passage and then I kind of want to go back through it, almost kind of go backwards through it. So if you've got your Bibles open, you want to leave them open on James 1. If you've got your phone app, leave it open. If you don't have a hard copy Bible. We want to give you one as you leave at our, uh, at our stations, either door you exit out of. So this is what James 1 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and the dating scene takes some perseverance, doesn't it? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person 
It's double-minded and unstable in all they do. All right. Now I want to go back. I want to go back to a verse right in the middle of that. It's verse five. And it said this. Do you remember it said this? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Now the verse right before this said that you'll be complete and mature in Christ. That that's the goal. That's the picture. But it says, and if you're complete and mature, that you don't lack anything. And then James makes an interesting comment. He says, but if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. And I begin to ask myself this question. And he says it will be given to you. Is I begin to ask myself, so, well, what if I lack something else? Is that the only thing I can ask God for? And James answers that question a few verses later. It's not in the passage that we read, but it's in a, a pretty famous passage that James wrote. 11 verses later, James writes this, don't be deceived. In other words, don't, don't think you can find this somewhere else. My dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is where? Is from above. Coming down from heaven, the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Don't think that you can get it from anywhere else. Don't think that you can get any gift. Every good gift comes from God. Stability and completeness, they come from God. They don't come from a relationship with a husband or wife. You think what you need is what the God who doesn't change has. Comfort, joy, satisfaction, wholeness, love, and peace, they all come from God. Listen, singles and teenagers, or anybody that's thinking about being married, the things that the world has told you romance will give you will actually can only be found in God. But he says something really interesting in verse 6. He says, so, so ask him. Whatever you need, you need to ask him. You don't need to look for it in a mate. You don't need to look for it in a future spouse because you can't get it because every good and perfect gift doesn't come from the club. Every good and perfect gift doesn't come from the gym. Every good and perfect gift doesn't come from biology class. Every good and perfect gift doesn't come from the single small group at church. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above. So if you're lacking something, single people, you need to look to God first. And, it, and then he says, this is what's so fascinating. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. You've got to believe that what you ask God for, he's going to give you. And you can't doubt. You, you, can't, you can't say, okay, you know, I asked God for comfort and I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good. But then I just got lonely one night and I just called him up. Oh, and I knew it was going to lead. Did you, did you believe or did you doubt? Oh God, I, I asked God for, I asked God for completeness and wholeness, but I had a really bad week at work and it was Friday night and I was lonely and I went, you know, to grab something to eat and she was there and one thing led to another and I know we probably shouldn't have done it. And You got to believe, you got to trust. You got to say, God, I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe because if not, you will be like a what? Like a wave of the sea who is blown and tossed by the wind. 
you'll go all over the place and you'll go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship asking for some good and perfect gift from where it can't come from. And what God says is you have to believe and you have to not doubt that what you need can only come from God. And then, it, and then, it, and then James says this, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You will be incomplete, you will be unsteady, you will be unstable because you will be looking for what you lack, not just from somewhere else, but in someone else who can't give it to you. Let me ask you this question. Does getting two people together who are unstable and incomplete sound like the recipe for a healthy relationship. Some of you are like, you didn't need two, you just need one. I dated her for a while, right? Or I was engaged to him. That's what some of you are thinking. Yeah, that's why we're not engaged anymore. That's why we didn't go all the way. That doesn't sound like, but so many people come together and they're unstable and they're thinking, can you supply this need I've got? Can you supply that, this need I've got? Now, listen, I said I was going to come back to this, why this is such an issue of this, these needs that we have and this, this looking to somebody else. This is particularly important for the issue of sex, which single people and teenagers are very interested in. Because the world has told you something about sex. The world has told you that, listen, you've got needs that you need to get fulfilled. And when you're dating, you need to figure out if you guys are a good fit. You, you've got attractions. You need to figure out, you know, listen, if, if it even works. Because what the world has told you is that sex is about compatibility. And why wouldn't you find out if you're compatible? I mean, wouldn't that be awful if you got married and then afterwards you weren't compatible and you didn't have any chemistry? Of course, you, you know, you got to figure things out if you, if you even like each other that way. That's what the world's told you you need to do. And, but here's what I just want to tell you about your needs. And if you're young, maybe no one's told you this. Your needs are going to change. And you're going to change. And they're going to change. In fact... I've got some bad news for you, young people, all right? On your wedding day, now here's the good news. Your wedding day, it's going to be spectacular. You're going to look fantastic. Honey, you're going to look stunning. That's the most you're ever going to pay to have your hair done. And guys, brothers, I mean, <laughs> you're going to brush your teeth and comb your hair on the same day. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> like, you're going to look great. You're going to look great. But here's the bad news. From that day forward, from your wedding day forward, you are only going to get older and uglier. And all the married people in the room said, amen, right? <laughs> On my wedding day, I had brown hair and didn't wear glasses, but it ain't brown no more and I can't see no more. I mean, it's just the way it is. And if you believe this, if you believe this lie, this, this untruth that the world has, that you're compatible and, oh, and I just need to look somebody to complete me emotionally, spiritually, and even especially physically because this is such an important thing. Listen, if you believe this lie that, that, that you've got to figure this out and you've got to test drive this out and you've got to make sure you're compatible, here's the problem with this. She's going to put on a few pounds. His hair's going to turn loose or turn gray and they're not going to quite look the same they did when you were compatible with 
them. But one day you're going to go into the office and you're going to see a gal about 10 or 15 youngers who looks a little bit more like your wife did the day you married her. And you're going to think, I think she might be the one I'm more compatible with. Or you're going to see that guy at the gym and he's put a little bit more time into it because he's single or twice divorced and he hadn't coached as much t-ball as your husband did. He went to the gym while your husband was coaching t-ball. And you're going to be like, well, he, I think he and I have a little more chemistry. And I don't want you to base your relationship from the get-go on compatibility when that's not what sex is about. Listen, God doesn't want you to not have sex because he, doesn't, he wants you to miss out on something or he's trying to tell you what not to do. It's because it is better and more beautiful his way. Sex is beautiful in marriage. If you'll just do it his way, and his way is, listen to what, this is how James says it. I don't want you to think of that you have these needs. James says it this way, right at the back of the beginning of the passage, and how I want to wrap it up. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you want to know what a recipe for spiritual maturity looks at, this is it, that I am complete, that I am fully 100% satisfied in Christ, that I don't, I lack nothing. I don't lack anything. I don't lack, I don't need sex. I don't need companionship from somewhere else. I don't need comfort from somewhere else. I don't need joy from somewhere else. I have found everything in Christ and through Christ. Let me give you the picture of what this person looks like. The picture of this person says, I don't want to just have some values in God and just have a foundation. This person is completely and totally surrendered to Christ. They're all in. And God closes the gap for them. And that thing, because here's the deal, you are incomplete. I am incomplete. And the only way that we can be complete is if we would be filled completely with the only one who could ever do it. Our creator, our sustainer, our Lord, our savior, our everything. You'll not lack anything. There'll be nothing else that you feel like you need, nothing else that you have to have. Listen, listen. You know what anything in Greek means? Anything. You won't lack anything. Single people and teenagers, you don't need a man and you don't need a woman. You need Jesus. Now, listen, that doesn't mean you don't want to be married. That's okay. Oh, man, I so desperately wanted to be married. I wanted to be a husband. I wanted to be a dad and raise a family. I wanted to, someone to grow old with. But let me just kind of just share a little bit of a part of my story is that I realized that there was a season of my life that my identity was wrapped up in who I was dating. And if I had a girlfriend and things were going well, I felt good about myself. And if I didn't have a girlfriend, I didn't feel good about myself. And, and listen, I... And what I found is that I had to come to the place where my identity was in Christ because that, that pretty little girl that was up here at the start, my wife, Emily, she makes an awesome wife, but she makes a lousy personal Lord and Savior. And I'm an okay husband, but I make a lousy personal Lord and Savior. 
And you don't need somebody to save you, to fix you, to complete you. Now, can, can I tell you something about this? Okay, single people, this person is attractive. This person is attractive. This person is not like a wave, is not like shifting shadows, is not bouncing from relation to the relationship. This person is solid. They know who they are in Christ. They know who their identity is in. And if you're, if you're like, I don't ever want to get married, this is great. If you'll be this person, you'll be a better friend and you'll be a better employee. You'll be better at everything. But in the dating world, this person is very attractive. They are stable. They are steady. They are solid. They are complete. They are whole. They probably have a job. This is, listen, this is a steady person. And I want to tell you that this person thinks very differently about the issue of sex. This person isn't worried about compatibility because this person doesn't need sex. They're not worried about compatibility because this person's identity is in Christ. This person knows that sex isn't about compatibility because they know they're going to change. Their identity is in Christ. They know that sex is about vulnerability and humility. Let me tell you what this guy right here, what this guy says to a girl. This is the kind of guy that says, Oh, honey, I'm crazy about you. Yes, I'm so attracted to you. But I I want you to know, we don't need to pursue anything physical and I don't need sex before marriage because my identity is in Jesus and I would never want to do anything to dishonor you or our Lord. I'm just trying to figure out if you're the kind of woman who I can serve for the rest of my life in marriage so that I can model Christ's humility to you sexually in every other way. And do you know what the girl would say? She'd say nothing because she'd be speechless. Because she never had a boy talk to her like that. And listen, if you're sitting there right now with somebody you're dating that you're crossing some boundaries, guys, I want to tell you something about your girl. She's dying for a man to talk to her that way. She's dying for a man to talk to her that way. Let me tell you what this girl says. A girl that's like this, complete in Christ, she looks at a a guy and she says, Sweetheart, uh, listen, I don't need you to wait on me hand and foot because I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, I don't need to be spoiled and my identity is not in being someone's queen. My identity is being a daughter of the child and a child of the Most High God. And I'm just trying to figure out if you're the kind of man who I can serve the rest of my life in marriage so that I can model his faithfulness and his service to a husband and who I can be vulnerable with sexually in every other way. And ladies, do you know what the guy will say? He will say, will you marry me? All right? Singles and teens... That is the marriage you want. That's what I know about you. That is the marriage you want. And you only get it by starting at completeness with Christ. And then here's the cool thing. We can give ourselves completely in marriage when we are complete in Christ. 
And if you, and, and listen, you can give yourself because marriage then becomes a model of serving Christ. It becomes a model. Man, I love what Savannah, I need, I, I'd love to meet grandma because I love what she said. I mean, I heard you say that in the first service, in the first video, and I was like, that's the sermon. That my commitment to God to my husband is more important than my commitment to the husband because my commitment to God is about showing his reverence for him and humility and serving him and modeling what Christ did for us. And here's what here's will happen. If you'll do this, then eventually you'll meet somebody else like it. And I don't know if you'll both like Mexican food and I don't know if you'll both like sports and I don't know if you'll both like Chinese food and old movies. But guess what? These two kids, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay because they started it out in completeness in Christ and they're going to spend their marriage trying to serve each other. Now, some of you are listening today and you're like, man, I messed up. Am I too far gone? Am I too far gone? And that's why I believe that the starting point for any great marriage is surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. And here's what I want to tell you. Some of you are feeling today, man, Carter, I'm in a relationship right now where we're crossing some boundaries or I just got out of one where I made some mistakes or I got some junk in my past or we're dealing with some things in marriage. Have I gone too far? Can I fix this? Here's the great thing about it, that we serve a God who makes things new. And you can start over at any point because the Psalms write that God forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. They just keep going. And at any point, you can start over and say, Lord, I want to do things your way. Complete me so that I'm ready for whatever relationship you have in store. And Jesus died on the cross so that your past mistakes and relationships don't have to be your story. They can be forgiven today. We're going to close with a song that uh, we've never done here at Mountaintop. And it's got a really powerful words at the end of it. In fact, they're almost kind of some of those words that I say, if you don't mean it, don't sing it. Because they're tough. This is what they say. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say No. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I will wait. If you say to trust, I will obey. I don't want to follow my own ways. I'm done chasing feelings. Spirit, lead me. And as we sing it, I want to ask you to pray those prayers. And some of you need to say no to some things in relationships that you know God says are wrong. And some of you need to let go and release a relationship. And you need to have a hard conversation this afternoon with somebody. Some of you need to dive in and ask the question. It's time. And some of you need to be still and wait and you're trying to rush it. And some of you need to say yes to the most important decision you could ever make to say, you know what? I need to stop worrying about needing a mate, needing a spouse. I need a savior. And today, I'm going to make the decision to say yes to Jesus. In three weeks, on February 23rd, we've got a baptism Sunday after this series. And some of you today, today's the day to make the decision to say, I'm going to get baptized then. I'm going to start over with Jesus. Cleanse me, heal me, make me new. And I can't think of a better way to say, Lord, I'm done chasing feelings. Spirit, lead me.
So why don't you stand and let's sing a prayer.